Hello. I'm Neil. And I'm Paddy, and welcome to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And what are we watching today, Paddy? Oh yeah, it's my choice today. We're watching The Outsiders, the, the 1983 Francis Ford Coppola film starring the most starry cast that you'll ever see. Starring everybody. Starring basically. pretty much everyone. This is the start of the Brat Pack, really. Yeah, that's the main reason I've chosen this. Well, at least it's one of the reasons I've chosen this. It was also quite interesting, I think, from a filmmaking point of view, because the director is famous for doing The Godfather, Apocalypse Now, also The Conversation, which I know you love. But this film sort of showcases something different about the way he makes films. Yeah, he's coming off a very hot streak, isn't he? But he's made one from the heart, which is flopping as he's making this. And... This and Rumblefish seem to be more personal films from him, smaller films. And is that why we're really interested in it? It's one of his overlooked films. I feel it's an overlooked film. Um, Tell you what, let's stop talking. Let's put the film on and have a little look. One breath away and you will be so Okay, so the film's over. What do you think? Well... Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was a perfectly good film. But it's it's strange thinking that it comes in the midst of this fantastic director's output. You know, he's just done a string of incredible films. Godfather's Conversation, Apocalypse Now, One from the Heart, which I haven't seen, but sinks, almost sinks his career completely. And then this small film about... Fairly tough subject matter, but not a massive story, not a big epic storyline, just quite a simple story. It's, it is fine, I think is the word. Um, I'm just reflecting on this. I mean, it's more than 30 years since I watched it. I watched it certainly as a teenager when we could rent things from the video shop on our own for the first time. Um, and I was attracted by the cast, which is, again, the reason why I've chosen it for us to watch. That cast is incredible. But the film itself is, I mean, the word is fine. It's a three out of five. It holds your attention. It rattles along. It doesn't drag. I mean, I think it's blessed by having had a studio look at it and go, nah, too long, mate. Yeah, having cut it back from about two hours and ten to hour and a half, it doesn't waste a moment, does it? No, no. There are some lingeringly beautiful shots which are in there for no other reason than to show off the fact that the filmmaker knows what he's doing. But then I think I felt on reflection that there's some really clunky parts. Some less than subtle oh, imagery. I don't think it's subtle at any point. Should we should we talk about it? Yes. Let's... So I don't think this film has aged very much at all because it's a period piece and it's set and looks like a 60s film. They've got the colour palette. The colour palette in town is very muted and grey. It's almost like the palette he uses for The Godfather. But when we go out into the countryside... Everything's golden. Everything is golden. Lots of orange. Beautiful sunsets, really illustrating how the character feels about life and what life could be. Yeah, because this is their first time away from what is a very violent and quite scary place that they live in. Yeah, Tulsa does seem to be... You know, for a young man, a violent, aggressive place, constant mm, And aggression. as you noted, uh, the young women in there, there's only the one main character, one female character, really? Cherry, who is harassed at every opportunity. She's, you know, And she's afraid to be assaulted all the time. If yeah. she's not tough and fights back, 
she is going to be, so whether it's by her friends or by the Greeks yeah. or the socials. So this is not things. a nice place to be. And when they get out into the countryside, both characters, despite being on the on the run, that's Johnny and Ponyboy, they're more relaxed and happier than when they're in their own houses at home. That's partly because of the violence of Johnny's upbringing and the sadness in Pony's house because he's lost his parents yeah. and his older brother is trying to hold it all together. So that's quite... I mean, it's a, it's, it sounds bleak, but the way it's portrayed, it feels quite natural, actually. Yes. But then as they get away into the countryside and they're hiding out... They, yeah, it seems more relaxed, and we see that in the color palette. There's a couple of Coppola uses a technique, a uh, back projection, of, to really show some beautiful sunsets and to highlight the importance of the gold, which is a key theme throughout the film, really. It is, yeah, and it seems and also the theme of Gone with the Wind visually from mm. the film rather than the book they yeah. actually read. So, so the boys are reading the book Gone with the Wind, and the film echoes that look, doesn't it? Yeah. Tara, no. Yeah, it's Tara. It's Tara seeing the sunset and saying life will go on. She's mm-hmm. going to fight on through for what she wants. Scarlet at Tara is what we were trying Scarlet, to say. Scarlet, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because we know films. We know films. We know everything. Yeah. But there are some clunky bits as well. There's a split diopter, which is a great technique to get two things which are at different positions in the sharp same, focus. In sharp focus. But somebody walks across and so suddenly goes from sharp focus to totally blurred. It's the only time I've seen one of those shots really break the frame and and stand out. Then so you you not only see noticing the shot and the composition, but ooh, is that meant to happen? Yeah, and there's unusual, just extreme extreme tilt on the camera, Dutch, where for no apparent reason it doesn't seem to have a purpose other than hey, look, I can do this. Yes, unless perhaps some of the stuff around it was cut, and therefore his original intentions were That's messed it. up by that. Yeah, could be. And finally, on the filmmaking front, the music. Yes, my dad composed this music and I couldn't cut it out, is so his excuse. It's not your dad. <laughs> well, let's, yes, let's make this clear. It's Coppola's dad is, has done the music. Coppola's dad has done the music, uh, as he did for The Godfather, to great effect. But this is, feels like it's the, it's, it, he's scored a different film entirely. He scored a romance. Yeah, he scored a romance between Cherry and Pony Boy, the, the the only female character and the main male character, and um, it's not that sort of film, really. No, no. You don't want lush strings behind. They're dead, Johnny. They're dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the film lacks subtlety throughout, and the music is clashy. The story is thin. It's a very simple, thin story. It's. Better than I'm making it sound, I promise. Yeah, I mean, it, it rounds along, it's fine. But having said all that, why do we think a great filmmaker like Coppola has chosen this? I mean, there is the fantastic story of supposedly why he did this. Yeah, because he received... A, the, the book is required reading in a lot of American high schools, and apparently somebody sent him a letter. Yeah, the uh, schoolmistress sent a letter signed by about 50 kids saying, please... Could you make a film version of this, our favourite school book? Well, I mean, I think that might be good enough. That might be reason enough, actually. But I think this also kind of appeals to him as it's just another family story. He's very much a storyteller interested in family. That's my take on The Godfather. That's kind of my take on Apocalypse Now is it's about searching for belonging 
Yes, I could see that. Yeah, that's a bit of a reach, maybe. Maybe, but, okay. but is, it, is it? Yeah, it's a family thrown together on a on an yeah. odyssey. It might be more of an odyssey, but yeah, it's an odyssey. Okay, fine, yeah. fine. But uh, yes. but this film is a, an an ersatz family, a family that ersatz is that a word that I can use here? I, I think, think so. so. So this is a family that's been created out of people out of people in the same circumstances. The gang, the socias, are family in a way that, for for example, for Johnny. He has no. He hasn't got that at home at all because his family are violent and beat him. And for Ponyboy, he's lost the traditional family, and now he only has the gang really left. And they gravitate towards Ponyboy because his older brother is naturally the leader because he's that much older yeah. than everybody else. Yeah. So that, I guess that's something that interests Coppola. Plus, I guess he's thinking. At, I mean, from a commercial point of view, my feeling is that this is something that you'd imagine would make money because it's a popular book. It's popular source material. It's YA before YA is a thing. It's like written for young people by a young person. And I guess he's, from his business head, he's going, this is going to make money. Yes, and he desperately needed money at the time, (laughs) let's face it. I mean, he is releasing one from the heart at this point, which is going to go on to be one of the big flops. Loses about thirty million quid, doesn't it? Yeah, which plus marketing, which no one can lose now, let alone no. then when it was, you know, compared. It's compared. It's a hundred million dollar movie these days, just losing everything. And it's his money as well. Yeah, it's his personal money rather than being from a company somewhere. So let's just move on now and look at what made it interesting for me and why I've chosen it. That amazing cast. I mean, it's such a brilliant cast, isn't it? I mean, he's got the biggest actors of the eighties at the start of their careers picked for their talent as actors and not just because they're the best-looking men in the world. Or well, that's coincidentally the case that they are some very, very good-looking men because it's an incredible ensemble of 80s talent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite astonishing, isn't it, when you look at them? And they are picked for their acting talent here. This is, at the start of their careers, they're going to go on to big things, be picked to be leads. But really here, it's, it's all about can you act? Yeah, I don't think anybody has... I don't think any of them have serious credits before. I mean, if we just list off the people who are in it, it's Matt Dillon, C. Thomas Howell, who goes on to have a big career, but probably haven't heard of him. The Karate Kid, Ralph Macchio. We've got... Dirty Dancing himself, Mr. Patrick Swayze. And Mr. 1980s, Tom Cruise. I mean, he's everything. He's the biggest film star in the world now. And this is pretty much the starting point for him. Yeah. Should we start by looking at Matt Dillon? Because yeah. I think that was the outstanding performance. Sure. You were watching it and you said that you felt there was some really strong James Dean. There's a strong James Dean vibe about him, but I don't think it's... It, it's within the character to emulate James Dean, the look, the appeal, but it's genuine character-driven stance. It's not... The actor saying, I look a bit like James Dean. Well, I tend to be. <laughs> I think it's more the character. Because everything the character does is is from within the story. It's not... And I think that the ca- I think that the character is written with James Dean in mind, to be honest with you. The original... The, the writing is in the 1960s. It's written in the 60s when James Dean is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's there. I also don't think that he's as histrionic and overblown as James Dean at any point, despite going through... A pretty traumatic. It's quite understated at many times, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very believable performance. and still a boyish performance. I mean, he's surprisingly young in this as well. Yeah, but it's uh, he's still. You could see at some points they suggest that he 
has gone down a path because he hasn't seen any other options. And sometimes that's quite suggested on screen, isn't it? Yes, it is. And the emotional heart of the film is Ralph Macchio, who goes on to be the karate kid. Quite a different role. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in this, not so much karate kid as more uh, Mr. Sensitive, isn't he? He is. I mean, it's not a subtle film. We've said this. At one point, there's um, Dallas Winston, the Matt, the Matt Dillon character on one side of the screen, and Johnny, the Ralph Macchio character, on the other side of the screen. And see, Thomas Howell is literally stuck in the middle. Literally in the middle of them. So this is, you know, that dichotomy of choice that he's supposedly got. But he is such a warm performance. It here. felt very naturalistic and, again, understated, but within the moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I on mean, the, all, of the, all of them were on point. I mean, they all felt. Well, see, Thomas Howell. Uh, yeah. A okay. little bit weaker, in my opinion. True. The actual youngest member of the cast, even though he's only by a couple of years, in this cast, that means he's 16. And yeah, and I think he's given the most difficult role. He's given the biggest role, and that choice he's facing, the turmoil he's under, his character's bereaved of his parents. Mm. And then he loses his two biggest influences in the film. And I think perhaps the writing at that point doesn't give him... Maybe it doesn't support the actor as much as it should. Yeah, it's it, it's difficult, isn't it? He, he's got a lot of weight on young shoulders Mm -hmm. Um, and to some extent it's a trope in films isn't it to identify with the lead character the lead character becomes a bit more of a blank canvas and you could see that maybe he's been directed to be a bit blanker yeah i accept that in terms of the rest of the ensemble we've got two actors rob lowe and patrick swayze portraying the brothers um pony boys brothers and they do a good job don't you think yeah i mean apparently coppola cast people partly for their real um, sense of how they reacted to each other. They had extensive rehearsals mixing in character, uh, actors here, there and everywhere, all playing different roles and Swayze clearly being older than the rest of the cast. He's like 25, he's meant to be 25, maybe he's probably 20, 30. Probably 30. But he naturally, apparently with the other actors, took a, uh, a not just an older brother, but a kind of do this, do that. A mother hen kind of thing. Yeah, and they resented it bit but it's perfect for the character yeah they all love him and he's the biggest and toughest of them all but at the same time yeah you can really see there's a relationship it feels good yeah and rob lowe just plays um a big-hearted warm old older brother the middle brother yeah the sweeter older brother isn't he yeah he's just like he hasn't had the pressures of responsibility that the oldest eldest brother has swayze and and i think he acted it's it's a small it's a medium-sized role and he does a good job with it, I think. In the outtakes and stuff, apparently his role was cut the hardest. Well, that's because I would say in the book, from my memory, that uh, the soda pop is a really important character in the book and is much less so in this film. Which takes us to the other two main characters, Two Bit and Steve, who form the rest of the mate, the the core group. Yeah, they're they're the real. It's odd, isn't it? Actually, they seem more like the most genuine. Greasers, mm-hmm. part of the gang. Estevez and Cruz are perfect together. They're not showy other than to be in character. They're cast to type, physically showing off Cruz and Estevez mouthing off all the time. Yeah. Uh, playing the Joker. And they obviously get on very well with each other, but they don't outshine the rest of the cast. They are part of that. They manage to be complementary on screen to the rest of what's going on without dominating yeah. at all, which is impressive. It's a good acting role by. Cruz as well, he's not on screen that much. He's not on screen that much. But I think it's a good point that uh, they don't 
dominate when they could have done because their characters are more show-offy mm-hmm. by their nature. And that perhaps reflects on C. Thomas Howell. He has that one earlier thing with Cherry where he's impressing her quietly. Yeah. And because he's a quieter character, it's more difficult perhaps to yeah. sort of impress us. Which brings us, I suppose, lastly to Diane Lane, who also had a fantastic career after this, mainly promoted by Coppola to be the uh, lead of the Cotton Club. And um, fantastic actress. Oddly, I thought probably only the female, the only female character in this. She when, has a friend, but she, that's yeah, it's kind of a nothing role for the friend, and yet this was written by a woman. And the book is very much focused on the on the boys as well, so I, that's true to the source material. There is um, a, there's a, a load of other stars in it. We've got Leif Garrett, who is a seventies pop heartthrob thing, playing one of the bad guys, or one of the socias anyway. Cherry's main boyfriend, who's a He's actually quite quite repulsive in it. He is a nasty piece of work, yeah. Though, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, Tom Waits acting as another greaser. There is a lot of people who you recognise. There's Sophia Coppola, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, he doesn't actually use that many... doesn't actually use any of his normal cast. I mean, Coppola's one mm. of these guys who casts his buddies a lot. Or yes, his favourite actors a lot. He doesn't cast anybody in it. It's the first time he's cast Waits, perhaps. I'm not sure if he's in one from the heart. Well, there's just lots of. It's just interesting to see that there's a big old cast. Okay, so that brings us to pretty much the end of the podcast. Let's wrap it now. I'd say, I mean, that film did not stand up as much as I remembered it. It didn't quite hold your attention as you thought it would. Well, I was happy with my attention, but I, I'm really pleased that it was only ninety minutes. Yeah, otherwise you'd only been. Looking at your phone time. Yes, I think so. It's a film which is fine. It's a film which we've decided would, if you watched it at the right time, if you were an impressionable, maybe 14-year-old, it would stick with you, but maybe a bit less when you're more experienced eye is watching it. Yes, yes, let's put it that way. Well, thank you so much for listening, and hopefully you'll join us again next time on Invasion of the Potty Snatchers. See you soon. See you. Bye. Bye.